So I said that there are two important promises that we need to know. We need to know. Anytime that you come to pray, as we are in a month of persistent prayers, there are certain things that makes things very easy. And we should come to understand that. We should come to understand that. The first point I believe we should know when it comes to prayer is that we have bold access to the throne of grace. It's one of the key things that every child of God you need to know. That you have what? Bold access to the throne of grace. To the throne of grace. And I want us to read a scripture in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16. The book of Hebrews chapter 4 verses 16. I read. It says this. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence. Let us approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace that is divine enablement to help us in our time of need. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16. So this is a scripture that affirms that we have bold access to the throne of grace. Every child of God, you have bold access. You can easily walk into the throne of grace. So Apostle Paul was just admonishing them or admonishing us that as children of God, after receiving grace, you can what? Go easily. You can go easily into God's throne. Into his throne. The throne is where decrees and his laws and I mean his will is always what established. And that is what he does it from the throne. So spiritually or even earthly, in an earthly realm, every monarchy or every kingdom has a throne. And that throne is a throne that decrees and declarations are what? I mean, are released from. So the seat of power in every country carries the authority to what? Pronounce judgment. Hallelujah. So he says, let us then approach the throne of grace. How do we approach it? How do we approach God? We approach God through prayer. So prayer is very important. So this month we would be learning on how to pray effectively. Understand all the angles, the legalities of prayer. The do's and don'ts in prayer. The extent to which prayer can go. The things that hinders our prayer. We are going to understand the types of prayers that we can pray. The Bible says that we pray and we pray amidst. It also says that we pray and we don't know how to pray. But the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. So we are going to learn all these things. So based on the scripture, it says, Let us then approach 
So there are a lot of people who pray, but the question is, what are you praying towards? Where are you channeling your prayer? Where do you see yourself praying? Where do you see your prayers, I mean, going? Somebody can pray, I mean, in another faith, and they know where they are going. They are heading towards the Kaaba when it comes to the Muslims. That is what they are, they are looking onto. That they believe that Kaaba is the place where Allah will meet their prayers. You see, wherever the Jews are, they just look towards the, 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 the direction of Jerusalem and they praise that the temple, they pray knowing that God in heaven will hear them. When you look at a fetish priest, I mean, they go to their altars, make certain sacrifices, invoke certain things. I mean, pour certain libations and they know that whatever God spirit that they are worshipping will appear at that point. But the question comes, as Christians in prayer, where do we fall? Where do we go? Someone say, I haven't seen God before. So, I mean, just opening my mouth, just praying the spirit, just, I mean, making some declarations. I mean, it's just in vain. It's not in vain. You know what? There is a place. There's a sanctuary above. There's a spiritual place. There's a place that is beyond the natural. Our sanctuary, our altar, or the place our prayers go is towards the throne of God. So, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16, Let us then approach the throne of God. We approach the throne of God. The throne of grace with confidence. So one of the requirements is that you go there with confidence, knowing that he is your heavenly father, knowing that he is the supreme being, he is the God of all things, knowing that whenever you go on your knees in prayer, he will answer you. Having that confidence that he is living, you see, it brings about assurance. When you are confident, you have that assurance. You see, when we are not confident, you are not acting in faith. One of the signs of acting in faith is that you are always confident because you know that He is. You know that your Heavenly Father is. So He says, Go to the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy. So in the process of approaching God in prayer, in fellowshipping with God, we always obtain mercy. That is why you never come into the presence of God and return the same. Maybe you were praying for, I mean, you had a particular prayer point. Whether intercession, praying for a change in an environment or in the life of somebody, maybe prayer of supplication, I mean, Praying that the will of God for your life or your family will be established. And you haven't yet seen the, the manifestation of that prayer point. That specific manifestation. You don't leave God's presence the same. 
you walk in confidently knowing that God will hear you, one. But you return having something more than that. You come out with mercy. You find grace that is divine enablement. That helps you in times of need. He says that we may receive mercy. So it means that there are some people that are not receiving mercy. The mercies of God. They are renewed every morning. I love that song. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. They are renewed every morning. His mercies, they are renewed every morning. So when you wake up in the morning, you say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You keep it constantly. So Jesus teaching his disciples said that when you are praying, say, hallowed be thy name, Father. He established it from the point of relationship. And upon that relationship, you have the confidence. Without that relationship, there's no confidence in whatever you're going to ask. And, and when you look at prayer through Genesis to Revelation, you realize that it's all about relationship. Relationship. It's a perfect scenario. A president of a country is president to his citizens, but to his spouse or his wife or husband, it is more intimate. So there are certain things that um, a wife can ask of her husband who is a president that a normal citizen cannot ask of because of relationship. There are certain things that a child of the president can easily what? Can easily ask of the president that a normal colleague or politician cannot. It's all because of what? Relationship. Relot relationship. So prayer starts from relationship. Your relationship with God is so important. Your relationship with God is so important. Without a good relationship with God, you will not what? Experience certain things. You need to have that relationship. So some people say, oh, I prayed. I mean, I didn't see anything. And some too, it will be like, Whenever they are in need, that is when they come to God. You see? And that is not what God is looking at. It's a relationship. So imagine the kingdom of God in a sense that let's look at the earthly monarch, the longest living monarch, Queen Elizabeth. You see, and she is having a son who is probably, we are assuming, um, probably five years old. That child 
has the right or per the law or the succession plan to become the next king or monarch. But if that child doesn't keep close to the family or close to the mother or close to the queen and establish that relationship where he is constantly being educated about the do's and don'ts, how to be able to do this, how to be able to do that, how to find your ways around, how to corner people in that sense. And that child just assumes that I'll just walk into the room and say certain things and have what I want. You will miss it. You need to have that relationship with the Father, for the Father to teach you. So the Bible talks about the prodigal son. I think we've all heard about that story. The prodigal son where the Bible says that he came to his father, he said, give me what falls to me. Father got it to him and he left. It's not bad to ask. But the thing is, he didn't ask how did you get what you got to give me? How do I sustain it? And the Bible says he went to a far away, a far away place. And sometimes in our walk with God, we do get to those far away places. We do get to a place where we, we easily forget the God that has brought us that far. We get sidelined by work, by events, by friends, by responsibilities. And we lose touch with the Father who wants to have a daily affair, daily relationship with us. So the Bible says that the son who had left to a far country exhausted everything that he had. As long as he wasn't in touch with his father, he was struggling. But as long as he would remember and come back to his father, he would not struggle. There was separation. The relationship there was broken. So when Jesus came to restore you and I through grace, as Apostle Paul said, let us then approach to God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace. In other translation, it goes deeper and it says that enabling what? divine enablement or divine power to help us in time of need. So probably you might be in a point where you might need something at that time. How are you going to get it? It takes that relationship. It takes that relationship. It takes that relationship. So who is your God? Who is your father? 
Who have you submitted to? Scripture says you will submit yourself to God and resist and resist the devil and he will flee. So it takes relationship, relationship, relationship. You can do everything for your sister, for your brother, for your mother, for your father because of that bond of blood. To the others, it will take some time. It will take some years of knowing that person before you even do certain things. You see, relationship builds that trust. Relationship builds that trust. So some people can just go on their knees and just say, Father, Lord, I pray that you will resist this man from taking this decision and God will honor it. People will read the Bible and say, God is so all kinds of, they'll say all kinds of things against God. So why would you listen to the prayer of a man who called down fire and God honors it? You see, there's a, there's a deep level relationship with that person. Why would God say that Moses is the most meekest person? And we know based on certain acts that Moses did that, no, this guy, he is not meek. He's not humble. Based on our logical reasoning. You pick a man like David. Why would God be so interested in David? And put David in a unique way. It's all about relationship. So God deals with us on one-on-one basis. You see? That is why it's so important that nothing will come between you and God. He wants to have that one-on-one. It's a heart posture. As we learned in just an end um, revival. A heart posture. A heart posture. So one, the key things in prayer, before you get there, is we have bold access to the throne of God. And that comes through the relationship. So when you confess Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior, it establishes that relationship. It moves you from being an ordinary person into becoming a child of the kingdom. Now you have access to the kingdom. You have the legal right. You become the heir of salvation. You become the heir of the kingdom. You become joint heirs with Christ. And you can boldly walk into the kingdom. Into the kingdom. Boldly into the kingdom. And I believe that is what we have to be doing. That when you are praying, you're not praying for a point of timidity. That, okay, let me pray, Father, I beg you, I beg you. No, 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 no. That mindset has to change. He's your father. If you're a parent, your child comes to you, Mom, I'm hungry, Dad, I'm hungry. Whether you have it or not, you are obliged to give it to her or him. You see. So... The child comes. I mean, when we are children, I mean, as a child, the child can ask anything. Say, mom, I want an aeroplane. I want a gun. I mean, why would a child ask for a gun? I mean, it's harmful. But, you know, parents will try to get them, I mean, toy guns. Even though they will never get them the guns that will kill, they'll get them toy guns. How much more the father? So a lot of times we do accident things and the father knows what's best. 
but it all starts from a relationship. And when that relationship starts, maybe you might be looking for, I mean, a car, but he wouldn't be looking at giving you the car at that point because that car will be very harmful to you at the level that you are. But he will also not let you come to his presence having that fellowship and leave the same. He will also want to what? Instruct you so that you can enjoy the kingdom. You can become a best, I mean, a favorable candidate to take over everything that he has prepared. Whatever he had prepared in the beginning. Whatever Christ did on the cross, established, said it is finished. The Bible says, and God rested. He wants to prepare you to a point where you can have access to everything. So in every time that you come to him in prayer, he releases an aspect of him. He shares, he gives you grace. He gives, he parts upon you his grace, his mercies. So he says, you will receive mercy and you will find grace. And in that process, in the time of need, you realize that it comes automatically. You realize that you are supposed to be afford. You are supposed to be what? I mean, sagged. You are supposed to be, I mean, cancelled. A whole lot of things. But for some reason, you sit down and say, like, how did this come to be? Probably you were going for an interview. You're competing with somebody that was, that was a rival in your workplace. There are all kinds of spells there, but his message has kept you. How? It's because of his relationship with you. Because of your heart every single day. All kinds of crazy things are flying there. Arrows are flying here and there. But he has kept you. It's because of your consistent fellowship with him as a child. So don't take your relationship with God for granted. The next point I want us to know is this. God is able. So when we are coming to God in prayer, we should know that we are coming to our Father. So we should confidently walk into the throne of grace boldly. Two, we should know that God is able. These are two key things that anytime you are praying, it should be rooted in your mind, in your heart, in your spirit. Know that God is able. God is able. I decree and I declare anything that seems impossible as you continue to wait on Lord, as you put your trust on the Lord, let the Lord establish it. He is able to do it. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Verses 8. And I read. And God is able to make all grace abound to you. So that in all things... At all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. Glory, hallelujah. He says, and God is able 
He is not disabled, but he is able. Man can be disabled. Man can be short-handed. Man can be, I mean, limited in what they can do. Maybe somebody might need a heart transplant. A doctor is available to what? Do that. A doctor, somebody might have an issue sick and might need a blood transfusion. The doctor who's supposed to supervise for that to be carried out perfectly will be willing to do it. But the question is, the blood, does he have that uh, blood available? Even if he has the blood, is it going to be the same blood group? So he's limited. Man is limited. He's just limited. But when it comes to God, his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. They are higher than ours. So we can figure it out in prayer. All you need to do is just go to your father and present it to him. Just tell him, Father, I just want to do A, B, C, and D. I don't know how you're going to do it. But I know that is where faith comes in. I know you are able. I've seen what you have done. I've seen what you did in Abraham's life. I've seen what you did with Moses. I've seen what you did in the life of the apostles. I've seen what you are doing in other people, in the ministries, in the churches. It means that you are still the same. You don't change. So you are able. I will hold on to you. You see. So it says God is able to make. So when you go into prayer knowing that it helps. You go into God's presence knowing that God is able to make all grace abound. Anything that you need, any grace you need to do whatever you want to do, he's able to make it. So that in all things and at all times, having all that you need. Look at this. Look at this. He's able to make it abound. He's able, one, to make it abound to us, not at some point in our time or some point in our life but at all times not only some things but all things he's able he's he's the god of all creation so when you come to a point where you know that my father my god is the god who created the universe he took six days to create everything that we are seeing, to bring them into existence, then it means that he is able to do what I'm also bringing to him. It is very minute. Just, just think about it for a second. Creating the ocean, I mean, the sea, that it doesn't overstep its boundaries that for some reason it is purifying itself i mean imagine all kinds of ways that we are poured into the i mean the water bodies i mean by now we should have come to a point where we start seeing certain things 
different colors but the sea is always constantly pure look at this humanly creating that it would take a lot so imagine what god did let's even come closer to your human body how you take in water you drink and for some reason the water knows not to go through your i mean your nostrils but it goes through your throat down to your stomach through your intestines and when time is up your body excretes it probably through your skin i mean through your genitals sometimes through your eyes i mean it's the same how he's able to even calculate everything he was able to do that that complex thing then he means he's able to also do whatever that pertains to your life you see so we shouldn't picture things as if he's not interested he's interested that is why i said the relationship the scripture says that even the hair on your head he knows right now if you are supposed to calculate it you don't know so god is able when it comes to prayer god is able he's not disabled so don't let the voice of the enemy the voice of the world the voice of family and friends discourage you that i mean you are praying there's no sense in prayer prayer has power serving god and you're not seeing it has power you need to continue that is why we are saying persistent prayer so i want us to jump to luke chapter 18 then we will run up today it's just a i mean an overview next week we'll go deeper and we we'll start understanding certain things luke chapter 18 verse 1 to 8 that is our theme for this month the month of persistent prayer luke chapter 18 verses 1 to 8 luke chapter 18 verses 1 to 8 kaiko shadabaika Thank you, Jesus. Then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose hearts. Thank you, Jesus. Look at this. Jesus spoke to them. Men, which includes you and I. We always, he didn't say sometimes. He didn't say in the morning only. He didn't say afternoon only. He didn't say evening. Always. That was the emphasis. Men always ought. Look at that. The agency of it. men always ought to pray so you always ought to pray you don't pray because you feel like you don't pray because you don't feel like prayer has no place with emotions no if you let your emotions determine when to pray then it means that you are going to miss a lot of things in the spirit 
a lot of things are going to go on without your notice because it is in the place of prayer where your father will begin to communicate certain things it is in the place of prayer where your father will start to instruct you to teach you certain things that i mean the secular world cannot teach you it is through prayer where you are going to be gifted with certain gifts that will make you exceptional in your workplace exceptional in your everyday life it is through prayer where you can uproot certain things that are not beneficial or does not glorify god and fulfill his assignment in your life or in your family it is only through prayer he says whilst men slept it's a feeling it's emotion it's a state of being wow they slept during that time that they felt like sleeping the enemy came to sow during the time that we ended the revival everyone thinks that oh i've prayed for five days fasted for five days and i'm going to relax i'm going on holidays that is the time where the enemy will come around the bible says when jesus fasted 40 days and 40 nights the enemy came to test him and when an enemy realized that he couldn't pull him down the bible says he left for a season for a season whether it was for a day whether it was for a week the bible says for a season for meaning the season that jesus had entered into where he had an encounter with god we are assuming you see we are just doing just a brainstorm let's assume the season was when he shifted from being a carpenter when he was baptized after being baptized there was a season where for the first time over a period of time where the voice of god was heard where the god the father the son and the holy spirit all came to it manifestation it was during that time he was baptized so let's assume it was during that season so let's say after that season after that encounter the devil came in and the devil could not work said he left for a season meaning he wait for another time an opportunity that is to say that luke chapter 18 verse 1 as jesus said then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart it's very key you don't need to lose heart you don't need to give up in prayer you don't need to what lazy about in prayer because it is prayer that will grant you the ability to even understand the word of god god in prayer will start to teach you will bring it personalize his word to you will give you the rima for the now in that point of need so it says and he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray when you read other translation the passion translation it puts it this way one day jesus taught his apostles to keep praying and never stop or lose hope look at this to never stop 
The message makes it very interesting. So he told them a story showing that it is necessary for them to pray consistently and never quit. Are you quitting in your prayer life? Whenever you feel like your prayer life is going down, you should know that there's something ahead. Whether good or bad, it is only the Holy Spirit that can what? Tells you. So you realize that there's a point in your life, you, I mean, you can wake up and you feel like praying. Sometimes you can even wake up from your sleep praying. And there's a point where you realize that, I mean, throughout the day, you don't even have the desire to pray. When you hear about prayer, you are just, I mean, tired. You feel like it's a burden. There's something wrong. There's something wrong. So Jesus highlighted it. Men always ought. They should never stop. So let this ring in your heart 24-7. 365 days in a year. Don't forget this. That all the time I need to pray. I need to stay in touch with my father. Because without the leadings of my father, who is a shepherd over my life, things are going to go in a way that probably might not be according his, to his will. So you will go in that way. So let's read the scriptures. It says, Then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose hearts, saying, There was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Very true. There are men who don't regard God. There are men who don't regard the morals or the systems of this world. They will just do anything, anyhow, anywhere, just as long as they are pleased. We are in a generation where people can just take up arms and just step in. Just the fact that you look different from them, they can end your life. Just because you are brilliant than them, they can deny you or, I mean, terminate your contract or I mean, frustrate you at your workplace or even if you are an entrepreneur, you are trying to break out with your own thing. I mean, make sure that you never see success. We're in a generation where people don't regard relationship. They can, I mean, I mean, disappoint. They can turn you in. They can, I mean, sell a relationship of 10 years just because of what they would get jesus went through it and you know what kept him it was prayer when judas somebody he had worked with he had opened up to sold him for just some peanuts money just because of money he 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 just sold him and some of us we have gone through that we have gone through that event in our life where people close to us have said certain things to hurt us people that we are confided in and the only way that that hurts that pain can be lifted is through prayer where you pray and god steps in he releases his mercy his grace and it fills you he releases his joy his peace and it fills you up and it lifts it so if you if you be honest, if you are praying by the Spirit, anytime you come into the presence of God in prayer, when you are done, you feel refreshed. 
even though you haven't yet seen the manifestation of whatever you are praying about but there's this sense of peace this assurance that is one of the powerful things that prayer brings it ushers you to something so it says there was a certain judge who did not fear god nor regard man verse 3 now there was a widow look at this in that city and that she came to him saying get justice for me from my adversaries the woman came helpless woman she came get justice for me from my adversaries what are the adversaries that you have What are the things that are coming after you? It might be bills. Some of us. It might be certain diseases. Some of us. It might be certain people coming after us. It is in different ways, different styles, different shapes. Adversaries can be people. It can be things. Anything that comes after you. She had an adversary saying she needed justice for that. And the only one who is just is God. So that was a parable. She went to the man. Verse 4. And he would not for a while. But after he said within himself. Though I do not fear God nor regard man. Yet because this widow troubles me. I will avenge her lest her continual or persistent or consistent coming, she wearies me. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry, look at this, out day and night to him. Not only day, but day and night. Day and night can be 12 p.m. It can be 1 a.m. It can be 5 p.m. It can be 4.20. It's a day and night. Men always ought to pray without season. And he said, in verse 8, I tell you that he, that is God, will avenge his children speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, he will really find faith on it. I decree and I declare upon you that let the Lord avenge you speedily because of your consistent relationship with him. Because you have trust in the Lord God in the name of Jesus. So look at this. We all need that justice from God. God is our father. Not only our father, he is also a righteous judge. And our relationship with him. You see, I earlier made an emphasis that every country has a president. That president presides over the country. But that same president is a father, is a mother. Is a father to a child, is a husband to a what? 
a woman or probably a wife to a husband or a mother to a child. That child enjoys his father and also enjoys his or her president enjoying it and assuming if that child also is in politics is also enjoying privileges of the government that his father or the president is presiding over so when we say god as your father you are enjoying him as a father also you will enjoy the father who is also the righteous judge whose throne is established upon righteousness and justice that is why god loved you so much as a father he's like let me release my only son to come and die to bestow upon you his righteousness so that whenever the devil comes the blood will be a standard Whenever you lift up your voice in prayer to rebuke, to declare the will of the kingdom wherever you find yourself, because of my righteousness that you have inherited, it will work because of that relationship. You see, and I know for a fact, in our consistent prayer life, God will do something. Hallelujah. Now, before I bring this to an end, I want us to open our Bibles to Psalm 95. That is where we are going to conclude with. Tonight, we're just doing an overview. The next week, we will dive deeper. Psalm 91. I believe it's a popular verse, chapter. Psalm 91. The book of Psalms, chapter 91. The book of Psalms chapter 91 verse 1 5 to 16 hallelujah 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 psalm 91 verse 15 to 16 it says he shall call upon me Wherever you see he, put your name there. So Emmanuel shall call upon me, God, and I will answer. So you come to God confidently knowing that when you call him, he answers. When you pray, he answers. So whenever you go on your knees and you are praying, God is answering you. God will answer. God will speak to you. So you come knowing that he's a father who listens and responds. You have the responsibility of calling on to him. And he will always respond when you call. But if you don't call to him, there's no way you'll find a response. So you are staying with your father and you're not telling your father, I'm hungry. How can he respond? How would he know? Especially if you are sick. How will he know? He knows all things, but he has given that will to you. That is the beauty of God. He doesn't impose things. He has given you that free right. Hallelujah. And he said, 
He shall call upon me, and I will answer. So he's just waiting. He's just waiting. He's just waiting eagerly. So anytime that we pray, God is always eager to release a word. So the Bible says when Daniel prayed, the first day that he prayed, answers were released. But why was it delayed? Because the prince of Persia had worked, withheld his answers. But his consistent prayer, his persistent prayer brought about the change. So imagine your relationship with God is not intact. You haven't built that relationship of even hearing his voice. Knowing how he speaks. Knowing how he speaks to you. Because God's dealing, as I said, with you or with man is on one-on-one basis. How God worked with Moses is different from how he worked with um, Joshua. You see, he said, I speak to my prophet Moses face to face. But when you go to Joseph, he said, this book of the law. I'm sure Joseph was expecting to have a rod. Uh, was expecting to have, I mean, something that would be a sign. But he didn't. You see, so you should know how. From today, you should make it a point. Whenever you go to God in prayer. You see, understand how God speaks to you. It might be through songs. You might be praying and you are just asking God a question. And all of a sudden, you find a song boiling up in your spirit. It's just not a song. It's a prophetic song. It's a, it's a, it's a declaration God is giving to you. You need to keep note of the song. Understand the words. Sometimes, it might be you are praying. Probably you've taken, I mean, a request of somebody. You are praying and all of a sudden... I mean, you start feeling in a way of probably, I mean, joy. You you find peace. You start feeling peace. You start feeling joy. You see, God speaks in, in, in diverse ways. So you're having peace in prayer. Before, it wasn't like that. All of a sudden, you have that inflow of peace. It's a way God is what ministering to you. Sometimes it will be just a word of God. You are praying all of a sudden a scripture that you are not even focusing on keeps coming to you. It keeps coming. It comes. It comes pressing on your heart. You open it and lo and behold, whenever you were, I mean, going through whatever you are praying about, it's just there. And even sometimes what shocks is. It's not even what you've read before. And it's just there, staring at you in your face. It's just in your face. And sometimes, the way he speaks, you pray. He might not speak at that time. He might speak to somebody. You are talking with that person, and that person keeps saying the same thing, addressing that specific issue. No one, no two, no three. Addressing you. And you wonder, like, wasn't I praying that prayer? So why is it that the prophet of God just came to affirm it? I think during the program, there are certain people's prayer request. God just started showing me things. And I started saying, I said, yes, I had that. I had that. You see? So it all comes with relationship. 
you need to be mindful. You need to be particular. Be interested. Look at, when you pick up the Bible, the best way to know, when you pick up the Bible and you are studying, say you are picking the theme, we are doing prayer. You pick up a character in the Bible. Study the person, how that person related with God. What was so special? How did that person hear God? What did that person do? Analyze it. Because we get to know God through his word. Then you start looking at your life. Am I experiencing these things? Have I done that? Should God do that? Will I know? It creates the understanding. He said, a house is built, is filled, is established with wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. You need to get wisdom. You need to get understanding. You need to get knowledge. You see? So as we are doing a month of prayer, and a month of persistent prayer, let us not take it for granted. So to conclude, he said, He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. And I will be with him in trouble. If the relationship is not there, it means that the trouble will be prolonged. He said, I would deliver him and honor him. Whenever you call upon God in prayer, he will deliver you. He will honor you. He will take that burden from you. The first point of deliverance is to shift your focus. The first point, whenever you pray, personally, anytime that I'm going through any tough moment, the first thing the Holy Spirit does is to shift my focus from the problem. Yes, the problem will be there, but he will shift my focus to Jesus. Because if my focus is on the problem, there's no way I'm going to receive the, 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 the healing, the breakthrough, the peace. Until he shifts my focus to Jesus, the word. He said, gaze unto Jesus, the altar and finisher. He said, I am preparing a table before you in the presence of your enemies. So as long as Peter was looking to Jesus and walking to him, he had no issue. But the moment that he shifted his focus and he started looking at the, the sound, the the water, seeing the tilapia jump from the water. He said, like, my God, look at this the tilapia. And he saw the, the shark jumping. He said, oh, Jesus, shark, shark, I'm going to be eaten. I'm going to be eaten. Probably he saw the tilapia. He was like, wow, this is a wonderful tilapia that can go with Banku. But when he saw the shark, he said, oh, Jesus, I'm going to go next to that shark. All of a sudden, he started sinking. So in prayer, you step to the presence of God. You see, you shouldn't rush. It shouldn't be something that, I mean, Apostle says we should pray, so I'm going to... Don't rush. Enjoy His presence. I think last week, some, some, sometime last week, I think it said Saturday, I just stayed in the presence of God the whole day. I was just blessed. You see, it's not like you are rushing. And I came out, I felt refreshed. And one of the key things that if you work out your devotional prayer life with God, I tell you, it will reflect in your life. You become confident. I had a friend, I mean, in fact, some of my friends, I mean, they, 
way back in the UK. They they meet me and be like, Imano, you're so confident. You speak like you know it, even though you don't know it. It's not like I am confident. It's because of where I was before stepping out. I was with the father. He's able. He calls things that are not as though they are. He said, let there be light. And light came. Said. So as I stand with him, worshiping him, fellowship with God, naturally, that is what imparted. So some of you, when you spend time in prayer, when you spend time in prayer, in fellowship with the Father, in ministering to the Father, probably it might be you are praying for your children. Probably it might be you are praying for God's will. Maybe you wanted to pray for, I mean, open door for your work. But for some reason, God would turn that prayer around. He said, don't pray for open door for your work. Pray for humility. See, as you are praying it, there's something that God is giving to you. But your mind might not perceive it. Just give yourself time. Time. Two days, three days, four days, five days, seven days. You realize that probably you might sit in a car and all of a sudden something happens. And that accident that happens is supposed to take you out. But for some reason, you are shielded. Could it be that during that time you were praying that God shifted your focus and you were praying, he was adding certain things behind the scenes, but your eyes could not see. That is why Moses said, show me your ways. Because the ways of this God, he's a supreme being. He's a spirit being. And our logical mind cannot reason or comprehend this abstract spiritual realm where God is. So we need to allow him to guide us on his ways. And that is why I believe prayer is where we are fellowshipping with him. He's teaching us his ways. He's granting us responsibilities in the kingdom after teaching us. You see, so when you pick up the word of God, every child of God can read the word. I mean, um, Psalm, 15, Psalm 91 verse 15 he shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. It's just like that. That is just a written word, the logos. But in prayer, I tell you, everyone will get God's specific word for their life based on the moment they find themselves. And it will be unique to you. And based on that, you will run your life. See? So, you need to develop, cultivate the habit. Cultivate the habit that from today, I'm going to go to God. And I'm going to wait on Him. And as I wait on Him, He's going to do the rest. Because I know that when I come to Him, He's able. And I will not just come having doubt. I will come confidently to my Father because I have a relationship with Him. Through Jesus, he's my father. And that makes your prayer very potent. So God bless you. God strengthen you. And I pray that as you call upon God, he will always answer you. I pray that 
He will be with you in trouble and also deliver you from trouble. And I pray that not only delivering you, that he will honor you because you are his child. You are his son and his daughter. That he will honor you amongst all those who sought evil for you. And I pray that not only honoring you, that he will give you longevity of blessings, long life, longevity, that when his blessing comes to you and your family, it will stay forever. That transgenerational blessing will be upon you. And I pray that as you have taken God as your God and you have made him as your father, as you are honoring him with your time, with your substance, my prayer is that he will satisfy you in every aspect of your life. That he will satisfy the people connected to you. The Bible says that Joseph went into the house of Pharaoh and everything about Pharaoh began to grow. That Jacob went into the house of his uncle Laban, who was an idol worshiper, who wasn't even right, who was a cheat, but everything favored him. He was satisfied as well. So will your life be, so will your testimony be. God will satisfy you, satisfy your kids, satisfy your house. Even your shoes will be satisfied with blessing. The Bible says when the Israelites were in the wilderness, God was with them. None of them fell sick, neither did their clothes, I mean, got torn or wear out. God supernaturally did certain things. So anything that comes in contact with your body shall be preserved, shall be sustained. It will have longevity. Some of us, we buy phones and all of a sudden it gets destroyed. We buy cars and it breaks down. We, 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 we get mortgage and all of a sudden certain things happen and you lose your mortgage. Whatever it is, God will sustain you. God will satisfy you. God will cause his love and his grace to be upon it. I decree and I declare, let the Lord show you and everything connected to you his salvation. The saving grace of God. Let it rest upon every document, over anything that has your name on it, over anything connected to you, over your marriage, over your kids, over your business, over your ministry, over every single thing. In the name of Jesus, we pray with thanksgiving. Amen and amen. God bless you.